This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Well, I'm back with you again here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We've got a big lineup coming your way. Of course, a big hour. Uh, the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, uh, James Stravitas, will be with us. And George P. Bush, Land Commissioner of Texas, who wants to be the next Attorney General. He was able to indicate to us about six weeks ago and went out and joined him in Midland, Texas, about oil and gas and what this administration has done to Texas, New Mexico, North Dakota, South Dakota, everybody where there's uh, federal leases, they stopped them, they froze them. Their war on uh, fossil fuels is in existence and it's hurting many Americans. He decides he wants to be the next attorney general. We'll talk to him about that, uh, as well as taking your calls at one 408 7669 So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think it's going to make it very hard within their own party. You've got Joe Manchin, you've got Kirsten Cinema. It's going to make it more difficult. I also think they've taken this move, though, to put more pressure on the negotiations that are taking place right now on the infrastructure package. Can we I don't get, think we should let it. Can we get us. a can we get an actual deal done? Seems like President Biden has dropped his one point four trillion to one trillion as the GOP on infrastructure was about over nine hundred billion. Sticking points remain like a tax increase, but I think we are on our way. My fingers are crossed to a deal. Why? Because Joe knows he doesn't have the Dem votes. Number two. This is the bigger picture, right? We have children coming across our border. He's really only one of 20,000 children that are now in our custody. This is the worst part of Biden's policies. Yeah, it is. Sarah Carter reporting. She was talking to a nine-year-old who had been separated from her mother for years, from his mother for years, and she was able to use her phone to get in touch with this young man's mother. Unbelievable drama at the border. Ignoring it won't make it go away. President Biden's border catastrophe has its breaking point, and as the numbers swell, the toll on border states is immeasurable. As children are smuggled by the dozens, assaults and rapes and soar, and all Harris and Biden do is ignore. Number one. You say it's in China's interest, though. Would you agree, though, Dr. Fauci, it is in their interest to hide it if there was a lab leak or worse? You know, Willie, I don't want to be speculating on that because every time I say something like that, it, you know it as well as I. It will get completely taken out of context. It's not helpful. Yes, uh, but it's true. Pressure. That's what uh, Anthony Fauci is feeling and his acolytes for getting every major issue wrong in the pandemic, most notably the dismissal of the lab leak theory. And through it all, he's able to write a book. He is finally being outed as a disgrace that he is. And unlike Governor Cuomo of New York, who released a book and then the numbers fell apart and his nine accusers stepped forward and he using special services for his family and friends became apparent and many more things, including lying about nursing homes, he ends up disgraced. Still trying to run for re-election, but disgraced. Anthony Fauci will be outed as a fraud 
before his book comes out. So don't blame China. Do you believe this? Well, if don't blame them, why would they want to kill their own people? Yeah, I don't know if you're paying attention, if we can get her and get this guy a newspaper, but they've already round up millions of Muslims and are torturing them and putting them in concentration camps. Did you see Tiananmen Square in the 80s? They don't care about their own people at all. It's an oppressive communist country. What does he not understand about that? So Vanity Fair does an extensive piece about how there was big push behind the scenes to look at this Wuhan lab as one of the causes of this pandemic that's killed almost 600,000 Americans. It's also become clear that Robert Redfield, who was the former head of the CDC, told Vanity Fair in January of 2020 he received a message from George Gao, head of the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Redfield immediately offered to send a team of specialists to investigate when when Gao told him this is really bad. He had suspicions of the Wuhan lab. He said, let me send my guys over. He said, if a team found antibodies and blood samples of workers there, then it would be convincing evidence. China refused. And we end up unprepared for the pandemic and the nature of the virus is going to hit our shores. Tell me that doesn't bother you. I'm not looking just to blame I'm looking to find out what happened, what hit us, so we can stop the next one from happening. We're great at vaccines. We weren't great at stopping something. We didn't know what it was. So Anthony Fauci, after they released 3,000 of his emails, roughly, has had to explain a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the redactions in his own personal correspondence with other officials. And here's what he was saying as the questions get a little tougher on other networks, just a little bit. Cut one on MSNBC. I mean, obviously, you want openness and cooperation. One of the ways you can get it is don't be accusatory. I think the accusatory part about it is only going to get them to pull back even more. News for you. It's been over a year. Trying to finesse our way around the origins of the virus is not working, especially when you wouldn't want to entertain it prior. And Facebook and others look to shelve your accounts should you bring it up as a fringe theory, like Senator Tom Cotton brought up. So here's what I mean by a tough question. John Berman and CNN, who give, put him on the glide path every time he puts on, uh, he puts on the headset uh, or puts in the earpiece and goes on their show. Cut for an email exchange between you and NIH Director Francis Collins. The email sent to you said conspiracy theory gains momentum. And this, again, was the idea of the lab leak. Those emails, though, as you can see on the screen, or I can see on the screen, was all redacted between you and Francis Collins. Yeah. Do you happen to remember? It, it, you know, Do you remember John, what was in the email? <laughs> John, they only took about 10,000 emails from me. Of course I remember. I remember all 10,000 of them. Give me a break. <laughs> so, but to be clear, you're saying you don't remember or you can't tell us what, what was in no, the body of that exchange. I, I, I don't remember what's in that redacted, but there, I mean, the idea, I think, is quite far-fetched that the Chinese deliberately engineered something so that they could kill themselves as well as other people. Uh, I, I think that's a bit far out. Hmm. There are certain emails that we all send that we remember, and that with that topic about the Wuhan lab theory and it coming from a lab is something that would stand out. And why exactly would it be redacted? Wouldn't that Jar's message? They say they redact, if I could just be so general, they say they redact because they're doing an investigation and it would affect the investigation. Who are they investigating? I didn't know that. Are they? Really? Okay. I thought it came from a, a, a bat. What's there to investigate? Can we just see what you said? 
and why the topic was so intriguing? You got to read this Vanity Fair story. Really disturbing. Not really sure why all of a sudden Anthony Fauci is getting some scrutiny, but I'm enjoying it. I wanted to continue. Admiral Brett Giroir did a great job with the president's uh, pandemic task force. Was not in charge of Anthony Fauci, but noted a lot of his statements behind the scenes and in front of the camera. Cut 12. The president suggested that it could have been a lab leak. Many of us suggested it was a lab leak. So this was obviously uh, uh, in contradiction uh, to a hypothesis that we know is still likely the most likely one. So, of course, it was an antagonistic to the to the president's position and to many of the uh, people's positions within the Trump administration. Okay. It was against it. Yeah. I, I don't want to take too much time away from Admiral Stravitas because we got some serious issues with China, Afghanistan and Russia to go over. Uh, as well as get into it with George P. Bush when it comes to oil and gas and what, their, uh, what they did in the southern part of the southeast part of America two weeks ago with this uh, ransomware. But I do want you to hear this. Dr. Francie, uh, Francie Collins, uh, uh, Francis Collins, has been exchanging with Anthony Fauci pretty regularly. And some of these emails are controversial, to say the least. On COVID-19. So, for example, when he decides to go up and explain himself in some of these emails, this is how he tries to do it, saying, basically, it's not a bioweapon. It doesn't fit the criteria. And we're in the middle of this. So why focus on that? Cut 14. There were a lot of conspiracy theories and other ideas floating around at that point. One of them was that actually SARS-CoV-2 had been a bioengineered bioweapon created on purpose by human intervention uh, by the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That doesn't fit with what we know about this particular viral genome. Another was that NIH had somehow been complicit in the generation of this uh, dangerous virus. And I can tell you categorically that did not happen. But then there was this other idea that maybe it was an accident, a lab leak, that the Institute had been studying this virus, that it happened somehow in nature and it got loose. I never rejected that one, although there was no evidence to support it. More likely there is. And if we've been able to test and get access, it would have been. And if you brought it up and put pressure, perhaps as America, the United States of America, along with Australia, uh, the Southeast Pacific, as well as Europe, we might have pressured them to get answers. But since a year and a half it's been, now we're getting questions. Now Anthony Fauci's getting questions. I'm glad, but it's way too late. And it just shows you how politicized science has become. Does it make you think that maybe the same thing when it comes to green energy and the whole global climate change movement? We're supposed to believe the science. How dare we question? When we come back, Admiral James Stavridis, the challenges we face globally and what people are seeing from the outside that they think is happening on the inside here in America and George P. Bush, the Texas Land Commissioner, who wants to be the next Attorney General. Busy hour. So glad you're here. By the way, the job numbers are in. We've added 559,000. The market mildly happy with that, but it is below expectations of 650,000. Unemployment rate drops to 5.8%. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, 
to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mr. President, will you retaliate against Russia for this latest ransomware attack? We're looking closely at that issue. Do you think Putin is testing you? No. Yeah, I would say the answer is yes. But let's see what Admiral James Stavridis says. He's the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, among his many titles. His, now, his book is a bestseller, 2034, a novel of the next world war. Uh, and that is really looking at China's challenge militarily with us, where they plan on being, especially in light of what they said this week. But first things first, Admiral, welcome. Good to be with you, Brian, as always. Uh, Admiral, I, I'll tell you what, we're looking at a ransom, uh, a ransomware attack on the MTA, one on the Narragansett Ferry, one that took the East Coast pipeline down to its knees and doubled gas prices in some places. And now our uh, meat industry, 20 percent of our meat industry, and it's coming from Russia how is this not a message sent to America and this administration? Oh, it clearly is. And um, the, the Putin, President Putin, is very obviously testing President Biden. And he's doing it, uh, frankly, with, as usual, exquisite tactical timing in the run-up to President Biden's first big overseas in-person trip. Where? To Europe, to NATO, to the European Union. So, This is Vladimir Putin firing shot after shot. You know, one of my favorite authors is Ian Fleming, who wrote all the James Bond novels, Brian. And he has a a line in one of the novels about when you're getting shot at, the first time is happenstance. The second time, coincidence. The third time, it's enemy action. And we're way above three right now. What's the correct response? Um, I would start by uh, confronting Putin very directly about this and uh, putting him on personal notice from the eyes of our president right into Vladimir Putin's eyes. More substantially, the next thing to do is to use our offensive cyber capability to go after these ransomware hacking groups. Uh, And let's see if Vladimir Putin is Uh, in the business of actually trying to defend them with his own cyber. So you go after the actual perps, if you will. And then third, 
you begin to put real pressure on Russia through things like um, opposing the gas pipeline, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. There are still ways to make uh, Vladimir Putin's administration pay for this kind of activities. And, and let's be clear, the attacks you're talking about, the ransomware attacks, are not being done by the Russian government, but they are being done, in my view, with the acquiescence of the Russian government, which kind of amounts to the same thing. Yeah, right. Uh, are we capable of doing the same to them? Yes, absolutely. And before we, however, launch our own uh, letters of mark and send uh, private uh, cyber criminal activities. That's not where we want to go. What we want to do is use our defensive capabilities. But then I think this is a good role for the U.S. Cyber Command, the military four-star combatant command that we stood up just a few years ago. Um, turn them loose on these companies, right. these criminal elements. And by the way, while we're at it, this is probably a pretty good time to start uh, cracking down on cryptocurrencies, which are how all of these ransomwares are being paid off. Which is pretty amazing. I, we got to catch up to that major yeah. conference today in America about cryptocurrencies, and there are a lot of them are skirting taxes. Uh, we're talking to Admiral James Javidis. Uh, Admiral, let's talk about what China said this week. And I'll paraphrase. Uh, they said they're going to build up a, a nuke, their nuclear arsenal in order to go to war with us. And they want to make our cities shiver in anticipation of a would-be attack. What are they getting at? Why now? They are feeling very uh, empowered coming out of COVID. Um, they have seen uh, the rest of the world's economy lag behind theirs, and that's because uh, they used uh, extreme authoritarian measures to crack the virus early. As a result, their economy is strong. Their technology is growing. Uh, they're building the largest war fleet of Navy vessels in the world. And um, comments like this are, are simply a part of what President Xi is striving to do, which is to make China the preeminent global power. We ought to wake up. And that's why I wrote the book, 2034, a novel of the next world war, to point out that this is a looming tower and we're going to have to confront China. Uh, in what way? We need a, a co combination of strategies. So we need a, a strong and capable military so they're deterred from attacking us. We need uh, to use our economic tools. I think it's smart that the Biden administration has kept on many of the tariffs that were imposed by the Trump administration. We need a diplomatic strategy that brings our allies, partners, friends to the fight with us. In other words, when President Biden goes to Europe, he ought to be talking to Russia, but talking with our allies about China. And then finally, Brian, we need to maintain our technology advantage and everything from quantum computing to nanotechnology. We need a coherent strategy to face China if we're going to be successful. Yeah, that would be that would help. Here's what Lindsey Graham said about Iran. Cut. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 44.
The Iran nuclear agreement being envisioned by the Biden administration is too dangerous. I don't trust the Iranians with enrichment. I have an alternative with Senator Menendez from New Jersey. You can have nuclear power, but you can't make your own fuel. Do away with the enrichment program and let the world uh, supply the spent fuel rods for the Arabs and the Iranian, Iranians. That way they can't make a bomb. Your thoughts? I think that makes uh, a great deal of sense. And um, that's roughly the systems that are in place for Japan, for example, uh, which has a great deal of nuclear power plants, uh, but they are not in a position of uh, building bombs. So uh, drawing the line between peaceful use of nuclear power, which occurs in many, many countries around the world, and I think mm -hmm. is part of the way we address climate, that's fine. But we need to right. safeguard regimes that have the ability to uh, right. turn it into bombs. Right, Admiral. But you know they don't want nuclear energy. They want a nuclear bomb. They, uh, they have enough course. oil. Of course. Uh, go get the Admiral's book if you want to find out about what could be facing us in the next world war called 2034, a novel of the next world war. Admiral, thanks so much. Hope to see you down here soon, Brian. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. What we're seeing at the border is only a snapshot of what happens to these people. Imagine the hundreds of miles that they go uh, without any U.S. intervention like we have here at the border. Imagine what happens to them in, when they're doing the dangerous trek from Honduras and Salvador uh, through Mexico. Imagine what happens to the people that get raped, get assaulted. Uh, you know, including adults and, and young kids. We, we, all, we only see a snapshot. We don't see what's happening in those countries. Uh, that is Henry Cuellar. He's a congressman, Democratic congressman from Texas. And he, uh, I, when I went to the border, two of the three times I went to the border, uh, he's been there. And he wears a members-only jacket, and he's not looking for interviews. He's looking to solve problems. That's to the Republican president. He is very disappointed with uh, President Biden's policy at the border. So is pre, uh, the land commissioner, George P. Bush. He's uh, of Texas and a candidate now for Texas attorney general. Made a major announcement this week for his career after being a land commissioner for six years, which is a prestigious position in Texas. Uh, George P., welcome back. Great to be with you, man. Good morning. Congressman Cuellar is somebody I imagine you really appreciate, somebody who cares about his citizens more than his party. Absolutely. He's a, really a courageous man for, for stepping out against the party because he sees the conditions on the ground. And this is the largest surge of illegal immigration in modern American history due to the Biden Harris in action and the reversal of the Trump policies. And so, you know, he's speaking truth to his, his constituencies. I'm actually calling you pretty close to his district, not quite in his district. I'm in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, but we did get a brief uh, yesterday on the Laredo uh, area of responsibility where he does represent. And any AOR you're talking about, whether it's El Paso, Laredo, Del Rio, or down here in McAllen, it's record numbers, 177,000 arrests of illegal immigration in the month of April alone. The May projection is going to be roughly in that ballpark for a total figure. Some estimates put it at about 1.3 million, which would be a record dating back to uh, about 2,000 from what I'm hearing. So, you know, hopefully the, the White House will wake up. Hopefully the president and the vice president will actually come down and accept our governor's request to, to see the border and see the conditions on the ground. Is it as bad as you've seen it? Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, you know, the, you know, Fox News just put out 
some alarming video of just just the taste of what's happening in terms of human trafficking, in terms of the humanitarian crisis that's taking place. And really, it's the national policy right now to reward drug cartels that use their trafficking routes for um, moving narcotics, now making 3x per pound of narcotics or fentanyl by moving, moving humans, using a lot of the same routes. Um, and so you have children that are being recycled in the, in the words of a lot of the professionals here on the border, because that's one of the loopholes under our protocols um, under immigration law. But Border Patrol just recently uncovered a rape that occurred in the area that I was in just yesterday through an aerial asset and was able to break up the act. Um, so this is, you know, as the congressman said, the activity that's taking place on the other side of the border is not being witnessed by the American public. If they did, I think more Democrats would actually come to our side and said enough is enough. Well, I think so, too. I think that if they if the Democrats plan on keeping Arizona or their Senate seat, uh, which is Senator Mark Kelly, if they, if they plan on making more inroads in Texas, they're not doing it this way. And because you talk to Texans and they are alarmed. I talk to people. Everybody I talk to is alarmed. You don't hear much from California. So, George, it was a, a big week for you. You know, you got to be uh, you could have the, all the ambition and all the talent you want. Timing is everything. Why do you believe that after six years as land commissioner, now's the time to go for attorney general in Texas? Well, for several years now, Texans know that uh, our current attorney general has been under criminal securities fraud indictment. And Ken Paxton. As a top law, Ken Paxton, correct. And, you know, um, as a top law enforcement official, I think you have to be above approach, not under criminal investigation and or indictment. The FBI recently announced that they're investigating allegations of bribery and corruption from his top eight lieutenants and all allow that investigation to play out. But, you know, Texans are just confused that you know, the top law enforcement official is, is trying to keep himself out of jail instead of stacking up mugshots of hardened criminals in our state. Um, but I have specific ideas to improve the agency. For example, Brian, two-thirds of this budget of about $660 million and 4,200 full-time employees is devoted to alimony payment collection. Certainly, we can leverage technologies of today to make a government agency of this size more efficient, just like I did at the land office where I brought oil and gas lease sales online and generated billions in additional revenue for, for public schools. Um, I think we need a renewed focus on human trafficking. Yes, this ties into the border crisis, but there's a lot of domestic grooming of young Texas women um, on in, everything from Instagram to social media platforms. And there have been zero referrals of human trafficking cases to the state AG's office from local DAs. Mm -hmm. That has to change. Um, also, in a state of about 30 million people, We've only have four prosecutors in the attorney general's office taking on voter fraud in, in a large state like ours, and that's that's unacceptable. Hopefully we can pass our new voter integrity bill that, uh, unfortunately, the Democrats quit their job in the last day of our session, so we weren't able to pass it. The governor's called the special to bring everybody back to hopefully get that in. But as AG, I would defend that law and be proactive and get investigators and prosecutors into the fold. Well, you know that the Democrats walked out of your state legislature in order to not to be a part and give a quorum to Republicans who have the majority, and we're going to pass uh, uh, voting reform. Uh, they say it's too restrictive. They weren't dealt in, and they left. Your AG, what would you do? Well, unfortunately, this is similar to what happened in, in Georgia, where the people that are protesting, the people that are upset about the bill, don't actually read the bill. You know, so you know most Americans would say. You know, enough, enough, enough is enough with respect to ballot harvesting. 
where in Texas we have unsolicited absentee ballots sent to anyone if you are on a voter roll. Uh, we didn't have enough mechanisms to expunge people off a of voter roll if they've either moved out of another state or out of our county, or if you are dead. Um, that's unacceptable as well. Um, we have a debate over voter ID. I think voter ID has shown that it reduces significantly voter fraud um, in a state like Texas, where historically we've seen voter fraud in, in all parts of our state. So, you know, this is about the validity of an election system, making sure that it's protected, that there's never a question about uh, how that process is run. And that's why, as AG, I would defend that law if it gets passed. So Ken Paxton seems you would know better uh, as an AG, gets along with the current governor well. Um, do you think that would present a problem if they combine forces to make sure George P. is not the next attorney general? Well, I think the governor, from what I understand, is going to stay out of this race, along with lieutenant governor. I've had Dan a chance Patrick. to visit with both of them, Dan Patrick, during, uh, during the legislative session. And, uh, you know, like me, I mean, I'm just concerned with the behavior and they want to allow the investigation to play out. Uh, but my message right now, and whether it's with President Trump or, or other great elected leaders in Texas, is, look, the Democrats are all in on this race. They know Ken Paxton is the weak link and that if he's our nominee, the Democrats will have their first statewide elective office in close to 30 years. And that is I, I can't describe to you the consequences of that in the middle of redistricting, in the middle of a liberal progressive agenda in Washington, D.C., to have a Democrat AG in Texas. That would destroy our legislative agenda and destroy the redistricting maps that we we draft, hopefully in a special session sometime in the fall. So you, your dad famously clashed with uh, President Trump in 2016, vying for the, for the nomination. What did your dad tell you about running for this office? And some people have written, wow, you, you chose Donald Trump, who is a fan of yours, a supporter of yours, and you're a supporter of his over your dad. What do you say to people? Well, you know, if there's a family out there in American politics that understands the rough and tumble nature of politics, it would be mine. Um, you know, I did support my dad when he ran. And when things didn't work out, I immediately turned to Donald Trump. I, I came out in support of him uh, before a lot of our elected leadership here in the state of Texas. And and my, my argument is, look, when Bushes and Trumps come together, good things happen. When I ran the victory effort, so in Texas, that means I ran the state party's finance effort, we achieved a high watermark in Republican Party politics when President Trump was at the top of the ballot. We got a historic margin in the state House and the state Senate. Unfortunately, that tide is receding right now in Texas with the Beto effect and, and other things that have played out in our, our local politics. But, you know, we make a really good team. Dad gets it. He knows this is about taking on Bernie Sanders and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and, and now Joe Biden. So um, he gets it. And for our state, really, I mean, when you look at the border law enforcement, the inactivity uh, on the border, but but a, a forcing of federal regulation and overreach on other aspects like oil and gas, where you and I have visited on, um, the, the stakes are too high to let a mean tweet get in the way of people. So I guess you have it. How about your your uncle? I mean, he's got great political instincts, a lot of success as two term governor of Texas. Have you sought his advice? Absolutely. You know, he uh, he encouraged me to run. He thought it was unacceptable that in the wake of arguably the largest scandal in Texas politics in probably 50 years, going back to the Sharpstown scandal of, of 72, that we needed a new voice and a new face that can actually focus on the office instead of dealing with criminal investigations and trials. So, you know, he's had some really good advice. Um, 
he encouraged me to, to focus on the border. And, and that's led to my first endorsement yesterday in my first day of campaigning where the National Border Patrol Council endorsed me. You know, Brandon Judd has provided some great leadership. This is the exclusive union that represents 18,000 Border Patrol officials that wear the green every day and keep the watch on the border. And so there's other tr tricks up the uh, George W. Bush sleeve that have been helpful in terms of reaching out for support here in our state. Would you think that he might come on the stump with you as it gets closer? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be a few bushes. Um, you know, people have really positive feelings about my family's service to Texas. Uh, I've worked on bills that continue to honor his leadership when he was governor uh, as we build out our capital complex uh, up in Austin, Texas. But, yeah, I think he'll be, you know, in the fold and giving some advice. And just like I try to get advice from President Trump or my dad, I'll take whatever tips I can get. So you got the law degree. You got the military background. Now you have six years uh, political experience and uh, more in a very uh, in a very big way. So at 45 years old, are you still enjoying politics, which, as you said, is rough and tumble, can be personally devastating? I know your, your grandfather never got over to a degree his loss against Bill Clinton, felt like he failed. Uh, you guys don't win every race you get in. So here you are, you know, a, a decade or so into this. Do you have, still have a passion for it? It's actually stronger than it's ever been. You know, I, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on the trail. But when I announced two days ago, you know, there was just such, such, a, sense of, such a sense of lightning and a surge of energy for me um, that I'm, I'm super excited because I love Texans. I love our issues. They're really complicated, and that's what drives me to public service. But you're right. I mean, I'm the only member of the Bush family to have won my first race. Um, you know, people forget that. George W. lost his first race for, for Congress in West Texas in the 70s, and my grandfather for, for Senate, uh, and my dad for governor. But, you know, you get back up, and you dust yourself off, and then you offer vision and passion to your fellow constituents, to your fellow man. And, you know, they, they follow you. So, you know, on this campaign, it's a righteous campaign. Texans deserve better, a lead prosecutor that's above reproach and, and ready to, to focus on the job and take on hardened criminals backing the thin blue line and the thin green line. The, the thing what I, I, I love about your family, you, your, your uncle, your dad, got a chance to know your grandfather, read the books, even uh, your grandmother read their books. You guys understand whether you're going to get the vote or not. The politics is about service. It's not about ego. Yeah, you got to be confident. But it's got to be, I think I'm the right person to help people. That seems to be the approach that I get through the generations. Am I, Was that a correct read? That's absolutely it. You know, it's not about a title. It's not about a lapel pin. It's not about being on, on TV or, you know, being on radio. It's... It's about doing the right thing for, for people. And when I look at my state and I look at the future of our party, this is a deficit in leadership um, when it comes to the attorney general's office. When I first ran for land office, what I saw was a high, you know, as a military veteran, because I served for 10 years and deployed to Afghanistan as part of Operation During Freedom, is that I saw a high rate of suicide, the largest rate of suicide in any community will find is in the military veteran, veteran community with 22 a day and a high rate of unemployment uh, in the post-9-11 generation. And that's what called me to, to run for the land office because we deal with Veterans Affairs in the state. And, and similar to that in terms of attorney general, you know, I've loved my service at the land office. I've completed now four legislative sessions. 
uh, work to provide billions in additional funding through oil and gas lease management. But what brings me to this fight, you know, was human trafficking survivors and working alongside of them during our legislative session where the fastest growing crime in our state right now is the sale of young women for sex. And, you know, the border issue ties into it, but it's also occurring domestically where pimps and perps and johns are are constantly buying and trading. And to me, I find it very disgusting. And so I was I was just thrilled to be able to work on legislative uh, items that took the fight to sexually oriented businesses and uh, to take the fight to, to John's, the pimps, and the perps. So I want to do it every day, and that's why I'm going to be on this trail for a little over a year. Uh, George P. Bush, Texas Land Commissioner, wants to be the next attorney, uh, Texas Attorney General. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way, George. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope to talk to you on the campaign trail. You got it, brother. You're welcome anytime. Oh, you got it. And he's going to the border, spending a lot of time, because that's what Texans, uh, and that's what most Americans are really concerned about, I would think. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Back with your calls in just a moment, one 408 Seven six six nine. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the United States Senate, the most deliberate body in the world. And it was by design. And these take time. You just can't. I know everyone's in a hurry right now. If anyone understands the process, it's President Joe Biden with 36 years of experience or more here. He understands it and gets it well. I hope his staff understands it also what we're trying to do. We've got to bring our country together. We can't continue to split and go further apart. We just can't do that. And we've got to work together. And that's, that takes a lot of uh, time and energy and patience. And let me just tell you, what Joe Manchin's referring to is the progress made on the infrastructure bill. So uh, I know there's not enough of it is infrastructure. If you talk about roads, bridges, and tunnels, the Republicans were on the record saying they want to do something. When you talk about uh, preschool, when you talk about elder care, when you talk about free college, uh, and uh, paying off student loans, that's, that's care it's, and a minimum wage. That's nothing to do with infrastructure. So that was the debate of a month ago. So he went from $2.3 trillion. He said, what about $1.7? They said, this is just moving money around. You're going to ask for it separately. He said, what about $1.4? And then this week, uh, Senator Capito, also of West Virginia, sat down with Joe Biden, and he came down to a trillion dollars. Now, why is that significant? I don't have the details yet, but I will say this. The Republicans were at $940 billion. They should be able to make up the difference. And I'm curious to see if this is real or do they have a choice. Here's Senator Bill Haggerty, cut 36. I think it's going to make it very hard within their own party. You've got Joe Manchin, you've got Kirsten Sinema. They're going to have a hard time with this, Larry. And uh, I agree with you. It's going to make it more difficult. I also think they've taken this move, though, to put more pressure on the negotiations that are taking place right now on the infrastructure package. Schumer can then show this as a, as a backstop, but I don't think it's going to work in that, in that regard. I don't think we should let it pressure us. It should pressure you, but if you get a good deal and don't get everything, and they're not going to up the corporate tax rate, but put a minimum tax rate in. Listen, Republicans don't know much to corporations. It's only how it affects other people that work for those corporations compared to other countries. I see progress. I see hope. 
because so many on the left are ticked off like Bernie Sanders and AOC that we're even having these conversations. Keep your fingers crossed. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moment to the Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, this, one, this hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Governor Jim Justice. We was able to speak to him yesterday in West Virginia. Uh, so I was able to talk to him about regular news as well as what was going on with the special I have on uh, airing on Fox News, what ultimately was taped for Fox Nation. I'll talk about that. But uh, Governor Jim Justice, one of the most respected governors in the country, good friend of President Trump and Pierre. They're both multimillionaires and uh, both went into politics and both get great controversy. He'll be uh, you'll hear that interview exclusively here, only here. And then Chris Wallace at the bottom of the hour, 1-866-408-7669 to hear from you. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think it's going to make it very hard within their own party. You've got Joe Manchin, you've got Kirsten Sinema. It's going to make it more difficult. I also think they've taken this move, though, to put more pressure on the negotiations that are taking place right now on the infrastructure package. I don't think we should let it pressure us. Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee, can we get an actual deal done? Seems like President Biden has dropped his $1.4 trillion to $1 trillion. As GOP, we're at a $900 billion mark, just over that. Sticking points remain, tax increases. But I think we're on our way to an actual bargain. Why? Because Joe knows he doesn't have the Democratic votes. Number two. This is the bigger picture, right? We have children coming across our border. He's really only one of 20 thousand children that are now in our custody. This is the worst part of Biden's policies. True. Sarah Carter on the border with a nine-year-old who hadn't seen his mother in years was calling her from the border. He made his way up there alone. And guess what? He gets to stay. Ignoring the problem won't make it go away. President Biden's border catastrophe is his edge's breaking point. As the numbers swell, the toll on border states is immeasurable. As children are smuggled by the dozens, assaults and rapes soar. And all Harris and Biden do is ignore. Number one. You say it's in China's interest, though. Would you agree, though, Dr. Fauci, it is in their interest to hide it if there was a lab leak or worse? You know, Willie, I don't want to be speculating on that because every time I say something like that, it, you know it as well as I. It will get completely taken out of context. It's not helpful. Yeah, not helpful. Anthony Fauci, pressure. That's what's coming down on Dr. Fauci and his acolytes for getting every major issue wrong on the pandemic, most notably the dismissal of the lab leak theory. And through it all, he's able to write a book, and he's finally being outed as the disgrace I believe he is. He's a politician who went out of his way to discredit the previous administration through subtle size and um, uh, S-I-G-H-S, size as well as continuing to give contradictory interviews, subtle ones at that, at every network and every podcast that requests. It is bizarre. Now a Vanity Fair 
article comes out on the heels of Nicholas Wade's great uh, Science Magazine article to talk about what really went down and what we still don't know with the Wuhan Institute, uh, viral institute right there, where this virus really took root and how it really probably did not come from a bat or any type of animal into a human. Why is that important? Not only does China kill a culpable and should be liable for all the death and destruction they've done economically and personally on the American people and those around the globe. But they lied and made everything worse. And the people that cover up for it are these doctors, led by Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is mind-numbingly lauded by everybody on the left. I don't get why. He looks like everyone's uncle, but he's just not credible. Here is Dr. Anthony Fauci, for example, I think pretending to be, that's all I could say, pretending to be naive about the nature of China and candor. Cut to. Why is it so hard to find the source of this outbreak? That's, is it because China is so opaque? Is it because WHO is not sharing information? Why is this so difficult? Well, I think one of the things is that we need better access to all the information. I mean, it's obviously in China's interest to find out exactly what it is. And the is of the of the natural theory would be to find that link. Right. It's in national interest for them, not us, to find. And if they did find it, they're not sharing. The WHO did a report. It was so choreographed and they were so repressed in their investigation. They recommended, after reading the report, to still get more information on your own or be more transparent. But yet Dr. Anthony Fauci says it's in their best interest. Does he understand the world we're living in? Is he some 15-year-old studying social studies in 11th grade, wondering why China isn't nicer and more transparent? What is going on? Just remember, there's a lot of people who have to toe the line, and I did not know this until recently, with Anthony Fauci, because not only does he have the biggest salary in government, He also has the purse strings to finance institutes and studies. So if he comes out with a statement or something he leaves out and you counter him, don't expect to get any funding as no matter how meritorious your project may be. Do you understand? That's the way it works. When we come back, Governor Jim Justice of the great state of West Virginia, Brian Kilmeade Show. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other is Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for uh, listening. Yesterday, I had a chance to go to West Virginia. I had to do a special, and I'd had to. It's an opportunity to do a special for Fox News Channel, previewing the new season of What Made America Great, which I know you've been watching on Fox Nation. It's a chance for me to travel the country and go to different moments and meet different people and monuments that make America, America, right? Remember, we're not, not apologizing for America. There's great things in America. I'm up to, like, uh, I think 33 features. So the last one, I'm going to just, uh, I wanted to highlight everything from the Green Briar. Green Briar is where a bomb shelter actually was top secret until 1992 to have us survive. Government, really Congress survive 
uh, should there be a nuclear war. It was No one knew about it for 30 years. So I'll unveil that and give you details. Meanwhile, the owner happens to be the governor of West Virginia, Jim Justice. Here's my interview when we started talking about news of the day for today. Governor, do people in West Virginia care about what's happening in Texas, New Mexico, California, uh, at the border? Well, sure they do. Arizona. And, and, and I'll tell you exactly why they do. First of all, the people of West Virginia are in tune more than you'll ever know. But the, the reason that they care is just this. They see the infringement and the deterioration in many ways of all of us. I mean, that's just all there is to it. You know, if uh, I don't see how in the world you could think anything's good about what's going on at the border today. You know, if you've got all these people that are wanting to come, and then when they come, you've got families and everything that are all jammed into a room like this, and there are maybe a hundred people in here, and all the different things that are happening and everything, you know, that uh, from the standpoint of drugs or crime or whatever it may be, how could that be good? I mean, were we not better than that in America? And, and, and so they see deterioration and everything. You know, sure, West Virginia is sheltered from the standpoint it's a long ways from the border, but at the same time, uh, you know, we, we, sure, we sure feel the exact pain. What about critical race theory? Well, is that it, in the West Virginia schools? Uh, it, uh, I guess I guess from the standpoint of of maybe not nearly to the to the level that it may be throughout all different all of our big cities and what in California and on and on and on, but uh, but but surely surely it's it's present in our schools and and uh, and and you know it's 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 the exact same thing. It's concern. You think, uh, you understand that sometimes West Virginia doesn't get the respect, but they're getting the respect now. You got two senators right in the middle of some of the biggest legislation in this country. Right. You got Senator Joe Manchin is probably the only guy sta standing in front of the blow up of the filibuster and a simple majority in the Senate. And you got uh, uh, Senator Capito, who is the, representing the Republicans with the Democratic president right now when it comes to a almost at least $1 trillion. And if he has his druthers, $2.3 trillion infrastructure package. Right. How do you, is that good for this state? Have you communicated with your senators? Oh, over and over and over. You know, it surely it's good for our state. You know, and I hope and pray that Joe stands strong on the filibuster. I mean, it could, it could absolutely dismantle America in every way that we know it today. And, uh, and we've seen what the far left does, and, and, and nobody could be pleased with that except maybe the far left. And from the standpoint of what Shelley's doing and everything, from you know meeting with our president and trying to to work out something, some level of common ground that makes sense to where we don't have pet projects being throwing money at pet projects and on and on, and we put real money into real infrastructure. Sure, it makes a big difference to see West Virginia senators on the front lines as important as important people that are that are really trying to get it done. Yeah, sure, it makes a big difference. I know you and uh, Senator Manchin kind of have butted heads sometimes. Are you convinced that he will stand his grounds on big votes? Well, I, I want to say this. You know, uh, we've butted heads from time to time, but, but really and truly, uh, Senator Manchin is, he's a professional at what he does and everything, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way and everything. And, uh, and I hope and pray that Joe will stand his ground, you know, there's times that I've been really disappointed. I mean, you know, uh, I thought he would stand his ground on impeachment for President Trump, and he didn't. You know, from the standpoint of uh, 
this, you know, this, the, the vote that could come on filibuster, I surely hope and pray he'll stand his ground. What about infrastructure? They're talking about doing it through just a party line vote. If they don't have, right now they don't have his vote. Are you convinced they won't have his vote? I, th- I, I really believe that Joe has stood his ground some, in some t- at some times. And Senator Manchin, you know, in, in regard to the infrastructure, has been pretty, pretty dogmatic about the fact that, that they do not have his vote. And, and, and I really believe on infrastructure they don't have his vote. Because of tax increases? Because of tax increases, because of a lot of the pet projects that are going on, trying to fund everything coming or going. You know, too much universal stuff. You know, uh, I, I believe they do have his, uh, they do have, they, they, they do not have his vote, rather. Senator Capito, do you worry about her getting rolled by the president? No, I don't. No. No, I, you know, I, I always refer, you know, I mean, these are friends, you know, Shelly and Joe both. And, uh, and, and I can tell you that Shelly, Shelly's dad was our governor. And, uh, and, and my dad and Shelly's dad were really close. They were very, very close. And, and, uh, and Shelly's dad was a taskmaster. And, and so, so I don't know. I don't think Shelly's going to get woed by anybody. To tell you lastly, the, the employment process, the supplemental. Right. There's over 20 governors, including you, have cut out the supplemental. Democrats say that's heartless. You used to be a Democrat. Why are you doing it? Well, first of all, you know, I have to tell you this. You know, we're all entitled to one brain fart through our life. <laughs> and me running as a Democrat was my brain fart. Okay. You but, won. I, I know. I know. But winning is, is, is secondary a lot of times to a few things but as far as principles. But, uh, but from the standpoint of being heartless, anybody in the world that would know me would know that I, I've got a heart as big as Texas and then some. And, uh, and, and I love people, and I want just good things for people. But in this situation today, our small businesses need our, need our people to be back to work. And this business of people just laying back and everything and getting a government check and everything when they're very willing and able to be able to be to get back to work, they need to get back to work, and so that's why that's you, why we've decided to do. You do what we're feel doing. that way. Um, how do you feel about these Anthony Fauci emails? I'm sorry. One, one the Anthony Fauci emails that expose the fact that he, we were somewhat invested in the Wuhan lab. He was uh, uh, against said cloth masks don't work. He right. uh, did uh, work behind the scenes in a few uh, deceptive yeah. ways. Well, Dr. Fauci, let me just say this. You know. Uh, I don't know how you could look at a camera and say one thing now when you know you've looked at a camera three months ago, six months ago, three years ago, whatever it was, and said something completely the opposite. And he's done that with a, with, with a clear face. I don't know how you do it. I don't, I don't know how in the world you do Without it. Without acknowledging that you said something totally Amen. different. Amen. That's exactly right. If I had made a mistake... I would acknowledge the mistake before I ever said something again. I, could, I don't know how in the world you look at the camera today and say it's a seven today when you called it a 38 before and everything. I don't know how you do that and everything. And I do not know how in the world we can continue to put credibility in somebody that doesn't acknowledge their mistake before. I don't know how you could do that. And lastly, you tell you and President Trump are peers. You both have sure. very successful business people before you even thought about politics. You're much more experienced at that. You talk to him all the time. Yeah. Would you like to see him back in the fray? I would. I would in a lot of different ways. You know, uh, I know he's going through some tough times now, and, and you know, and everything. But uh, 
but, but you know, he, he really and truly did a lot of great stuff for this country. I mean, and the greatest is our vaccine. I mean, millions could have still, could have been dead right now and everything. He pushed it and he did exactly what we have to do as business people a lot of times, and that is say, okay, we, we need to put X number of dollars, put it in it. And he made decisions and everything, made a lot of great decisions for this country. And a lot of people just continue to kick him. And, 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 and that's not fair. Do you think he has the mindset to put 2020 behind him and talk about 2022 and 2024? Well, I don't know about that because really, uh, you know, uh, I refer to, refer, refer to him as Mr. President, but at the same time I refer to him as Donald. And I know his family and I know his family really well. The one thing that they miss a lot of times about Donald Trump is how much he cares. You know, really he's, he's a tough guy. And he, and he has this facade about him and everything to where he doesn't want to show that, but he, he really cares. You know, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know I guess we all have faults, and, and, it, and it may be tough. It may be tough to forget the past and move forward. Will he listen to you if you tell him to? Well, I think so. I think so. You know, we're you very close. And, you know, I just got through talking with him a couple of hours ago and everything, and, uh, and, and he's doing great. And, uh, but... Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, he's his own man, you know, and, and we're blessed. We were blessed to have a president that uh, would stand up and stand up and not try to do every political thing coming or going. But, uh, but you know, he's, uh, he's got a lot of pride, and, and he was really hurt, really, really hurt by what happened and everything. And, uh, and so, so nevertheless, you know, I, you know I, I hope and pray he'll get by that. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Governor, thanks Just, so much. I appreciate no, it. Brian, this is great. You. Governor Jim Justice, it was great spending time with him. He owns, you know, he owns so much, but he bought, uh, uh, he, he bought, uh, he bought this facility. It's hard to explain what it is. It's been around since 1830. It's uh, really thrived since 1920. And then it was having in dire straits in 2009. And he went and bought it for about $20 million. And he revitalized it to the point where it brought back uh, all the history. Sam Sneed was the golf pro there. You know, uh, Bing Crosby frequented there. Lou Gehrig is there with pictures of him on the wall in 1932 golfing there. But the real story was in the back, they were digging a bomb shelter saying they're just expanding the resort. Greenbrier was actually building a whole city below where they would hide, hide, uh, have 400 congressmen and 100 senators and some staffers, and they'd have enough food for 60 days should there be a nuclear attack during the Cold War. And guess what happened two weeks after they finished it? The Cuban Missile Crisis. So that story is going to be told in What Made America Great. It's going to be seen on a special in a couple of weeks. But Jim Justice gave us that time right afterwards. When we come back, Chris Wallace gives us quality time, and he talks about his big interview with a fellow West Virginian, Joe Manchin. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
The Brian Kilmeade Show welcomes back to the air after a gratuitous hiatus. The esteemed. Who's the king? The humble. Somebody's going to be listening for the first time. They're going to think I'm an egomaniac, and I'm not. Right. You don't want people to know that. Now, I know you usually go on vacation Monday and Tuesday. The decorated host of Fox News Sunday, returning from a long vacation. Vacation is called a weekend. You usually go on vacation on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I'm working this Saturday. (laughs) Chris Wallace. Chris, welcome back from your vacation. Uh, A vacation. It's called Memorial Day. I don't understand this. I take one week off and you guys are, are, I mean. I mean, you were gone a long time. I just went, how are you? you Did you do your show yesterday? I was working, though. Wait, 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 I, I asked a simple question, and I didn't get a response. I, Did you do what, – what do you call the show now, Brian Kilmeade, intergalactically? What is this show The Brian now? Kilmeade Show I was unable to do because – uh, I did uh, Fox and Friends, but then I flew to West Virginia to the Greenbrier to do a special that's going to air on the channel for What Made America Great and on Fox Nation. So I didn't, I can't say I didn't work, but it did kill me not to do the show yesterday. Yes, One day. Because we, we lost our, our opportunity with our normal Thursday date. I, I showed up. I called in. I'm sitting around. Nobody talks to me. It was very hurtful. Well, um, we're back here today. You're back from your yeah. long hiatus. And now we're ready to go. I took Memorial Day weekend. Incidentally, speaking of which, I flew up to your neck of the woods, Long Island, to visit my children and my grandchildren. And it was the worst weekend ever. I mean, the weather was horrendous. It was cold. It was rainy. It was windy. And I had to pay for the privilege. And did you have a good time with your family, at least? I had a great time with my family. And so that, therefore, it, it was okay. But nevertheless... Are you, uh, like let me lie. ask you this, how young are your grandkids? Uh, these are my oldest, I have uh, seven grandchildren, wow. one more on the way, and they range in age from uh, 10 months to 15 years. These were the oldest ones, they're 15, 13, and, you know, when you get a lot of kids, you can't remember, I, with the, I don't know if he's 11 or 12, James Wallace. So how many, I know you, you have them on every year. Uh, how many have shown an interest in doing what your dad did and what you're doing now, journalism, being on television, radio, writing? Um, there are two that I – I mean, n- none of them specifically, uh, but there are two of them that I think might conceivably – and here's the question I have. Because, we'll, you know, we'll pass these jobs on to our kids. You know, it's like a monarchy or an aristocracy. <laughs> will, you have, will your kid have my, my grandkid on? Yes, absolutely. They would be, it would be, they'd be obligated. But, but you know, do who asks you the most questions? Like when you come in, are they saying, "Well, I saw you show last week." Do they have questions for you, or they just look at you as their grandfather? No, they just look at me as a grandfather. And as you will find someday, when uh, you have grandchildren, I hope not to, because your kids are young. So I hope not yeah. too soon. Uh, they will have some name for you. I am. Bomb bomb, B O M B O M, bomb bomb, and they all say, "Hey, bomb bomb," and they ask me things. And uh, one of them in particular seems to like me. The other two don't seem to give me the time of day. And he would he would come over uh, and have. We were staying at a at a hotel right across this, close to where my kids live, and he would come over and have breakfast with Lorraine and me every day. And the three of us would have a good time. That's great. I can't. It's just an interesting relationship because. 
I, I think at one point they're gonna go. Wait a second. Uh, what did your what did your their great grandfather do? What are you doing every Sunday? They'll realize the significance of the Wallace family, and I'm wondering if any of them have the passion to work a hundred hours a week uh, and do what you you and your uh, dad did. A hundred hours a week. I do. I'm on one hour a week. You work a hundred hours. But a you week. did for a no, long they, time. They're, they're gonna, I mean, you you just gonna, show up for the job and you just read the prompter. Uh, yeah. But that and, wasn't and always the case. They say your question, sir, and they hand it to me. No, I mean, come <laughs> on. this is the greatest gig in television. But for the longest time, you were working uh, uh, how many hours when you were Washington correspondent? Oh, you know, a lot. Yeah. I used to work for a living. Right. Uh, but, you know, I mean, no, I kid you, but I know how much work you put in. Each each question has to have impact. And you, you're the only one on Sundays so actually making news because you try to get the inverse of whatever they think as opposed to getting people on that agree with you. I know okay, that, so let's talk about something. Yeah. It, are you aware of the controversy? I, I am. Eric right just now? told me. Uh, so so for people to know, Mediaite is a, a media website, and I guess they picked up this story. It's trending number one. And Jake Tapper came out with a story. They asked him, uh, you know, who are you going to book? And he said, basically, if tell me if I paraphrase this correct, I will not book any Republican that, uh, that subscribes to the big lie about the election being rigged. And you don't feel that way, and you feel no. differently, and you guys are going back and forth through a surrogate. Well, not through a surrogate. We're not having a child together. But, no, I mean, it, 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 Politico sent me, and they said, he has this policy. What's your policy? And I said, I don't think moral posturing goes with news gathering. I mean, you're, you're automatically going to cut yourself off from Kevin McCarthy and Elise Stefanik, and, and then somebody else is saying, well, before you ask them any question, you have to ask them about the, quote, the big lie. Now, do I think that the election was stolen? No. Do I think that Joe Biden won it fair and square? Yes. But do I think that you would boycott anybody who uh, has that position? No, because there's a lot to talk to them about that and other issues. I mean, you're going to sit there as a as a reporter and say, I, I'm not a, I'm not going to deign to speak to the House Republican leader. I think that's silly. Well, here's okay. an example. Uh, for if, if you're, for example, uh, lean right for a living, you might not be uh, in, uh, uh, enraptured by the thought of talking to somebody who believes that Russia gave the election to Donald Trump, which was uh, which was pushed forward for the for about two and a half of his four years. So do, I, I don't. That's that's a very as, good example. No, that's a very good pushback. I mean, it's just. It's absolutely right. There were a lot of people who, who pushed that theory. And, I, you know, I'm not in the position of boycotting people. I may ask. I'll ask them about it if I think that's the most important question. But I'm not going to sit there and say, well, they're, you know, beneath my they're beneath my moral standards. Right. I'm a news reporter. I cover I cover the news. Absolutely. So I want to bring you to something. I predicted this. <laughs> and this is one of the things I really respect about myself. Right. And there's a lot. Uh, But I I thought the infrastructure had a potential deal uh, as soon as I believed that the the president did not have the votes and how much he was spending. It looks as though they're getting closer and closer to an actual deal in between the president and Congress on infrastructure. It looks as though the president's come down to a trillion. He met with the West Virginia Senator Capito. She was at, she basically offered $930 billion. The president has come off, I think, the, uh, the corporate tax reduction. And I think we're getting close. And am I wrong in thinking we're in the back stretch? 
I don't have all the details. There's going to be another meeting today. But what do you think, Chris? Um, respectfully. <laughs> you know, always be nervous when somebody says respectfully. I, I disagree. I think that they're further from a deal, much further from a deal than that. They have come somewhat closer together, but a lot of it is gets very fuzzy because the the question is new money. So yes, the Democrat, the Republicans have come up to a trillion, but they only about two hundred and fifty billion of that is new money. The other seven hundred fifty was stuff that was already in the pipeline. The Biden's wants a uh, trillion dollars in new spending, so they're pretty far apart in that. And while Biden has come off the idea of raising the corporate tax rate from twenty one percent to twenty eight percent. He wants a new corporate tax, a minimum tax of 15 percent for these big companies like Amazon that are somehow able to mm-hmm. uh, not pay any taxes at all. And I think Republicans are going to probably view that as still it's a tax increase and we're not for tax increases. So uh, um, to me, unless they make a, a lot of progress today, I think this whole thing falls apart next week. Here's with Joe Manchin, who's going to be your guest. By the way, great guest. Uh, great, uh, your guest to, uh, on Sunday. Here's what he said yesterday. Cut 34. We have a golden opportunity now with the uh, uh, the new infrastructure bill coming. That energy is going to play such an important part, and how we can compete—not compete, but basically how we can lead in the world in a clean energy transformation. It's really what it's all about. And we have the technology. I have said this before: you cannot eliminate your way to a cleaner climate. You can innovate your way but not eliminate your way. It's just what it is. So I like the minimum tax. I think that plays right to the Republican strength because they, they, corporate America is not in love with the Republicans. This is about America being competitive with other countries. And if you tell Amazon to pay more, no Republican is going to shed a tear. But uh, I get the sense that Manchin's made it clear because President brought it up on Sunday that he's not going to— He's not going to budge off the corporate rate, he says, he'll, uh, at, at 28 percent, and he wants to see some buy-in from Democrats. And I think Kirsten Sinema the same way. So he doesn't really have the votes. That's why I'm optimistic. Final thought on this, because I have one more topic to get up with you. Um, I, again, I, I, I would like to be wrong. I would love to see a bipartisan agreement. I think it would be good for the country. I think it, it would be good politics for both sides instead of obstruction that they're going to actually work together and get something done uh, when we talk next week. If you're working on Thursday, I will be here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I bet the deal will be dead, but we'll see. And, and mark that tape. So we have the other big story, uh, which the revelations of the Anthony Fauci uh, emails. They talked about, you know, some of the decision making that was going on behind the scenes. Some of the redactions are intriguing as some of the verbiage and some of his backtracking is also fascinating because he's been so lauded unjustifiably, in my view. And what was really stands out for me is I read Josh Rogan's book at The Washington Post, and he was so frustrated that nobody's asking questions about the origin of this virus. And my goodness, Chris, I don't have to tell you, he doesn't lean right, but I don't think he's playing politics at all. He actually gives Trump a fair shake in this. He thought he was writing one book, which is about Trump, Trump administration in China, then the pandemic hit. Listen to his frustration when he, on April when he was talking to us. I don't know why the media seems so uninterested in solving this pandemic. I can't figure that out. It boggles my mind, okay? My my working theory is that they don't want to admit that they were wrong. You know, that if you are getting attacked and, and oh, well, don't you want to, you know, your instinct is to say, oh, well, I tweeted something in March 2020, and I don't want to go back on that because I'm going to get dunked on 
by whoever. But what I'm saying is that's not important. Nobody should care about that. I don't care what you tweeted, Brian, in March 2020. Yep. I'm not going to tell you what I tweeted in March 2020 because it's April 2021, and we got to look into the lab. we got to figure this out. It's a matter of our public health. So now the questions about the origin of the virus are front and center, and I believe other outlets are forced to tackle this, however gingerly. Where do you stand, Chris? I, I actually agree with everything he said. Um, you know, if you were wrong in 2020, so what? You know, I, I was talking about moral posturing by reporters. I think protecting your own image. I mean, we're supposed to be doing the best level best we can in a search for the truth. And if, you know, there's a correction part to any newspaper. If you make a mistake, you correct it and you go forward. Your, your commitment is to the truth, not to self-preservation. I agree. We need to find out the, the – and we don't know. I mean, you know, for all this talk about the lab, it may not be the lab. It may be naturally occurring. But we need to, you know, follow the investigation wherever the chips fall. And I certainly agree that some in the media and some in politics, when Donald Trump was blaming it on, on China and suggesting – that this wasn't just a naturally occurring thing. I think there was a knee-jerk reaction by some people to say, well, if Trump says it, it must be wrong. That, that's just as wrong as saying when Trump says it, it must be right. You know, you, you, let's stop the politics. Let's just try to find the truth. Let's follow the science wherever it goes. Right. And that Vanity Fair article is very telling. And Nicholas Wade's article I thought was very intriguing. It's uh, very interesting stories going on behind the scenes, and I just cannot believe Dr. Fauci is going to go over the going through the Governor Cuomo error of writing a book about a pandemic before it's over. I'm not sure that book is ever going to see the light of day, especially with the heat he's under right now. Final thought on that? Um, I have a book coming out in September called Countdown Bin Laden, which is it does for the hunt for Bin Laden what I did for. The atom bomb in 1945. Incidentally, we have a paperback on Countdown 1945. I commend it to anybody who hasn't read it. It's a great Father's Day gift. It's a really good read. I agree. I've read it, and I cannot wait for that September book, just like you can't wait for my November book that comes out with President and the Freedom Fighter, which I would not be surprised. I don't have confirmation yet if I am the power player talking about that very book. I would not be surprised. I'm not saying I'm expecting it, but I would not be surprised. So tell me what this book is again. President of the Freedom Fighter. How Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass' wartime relationship helped save America's soul. That sounds like a great book. I think you like it. I really I, do. I look forward to reading it. Are you going to send me a free copy? Yes, of course. And I'm going to sign it, too. Okay. And I'll right. get mine into, of, of yours before September, I hope. Yes, absolutely. And right. if you make me a power player on your program, I'm... <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, you almost committed. Almost. Thank you, almost. Chris Wallace. I'm going to watch you on Sunday amongst your guests. Thank you. Joe Manchin. Well, and also uh, Donald Trump is speaking. He's speaking to a rally on Saturday night. We'll have that. And we'll have Corey Lewandowski, who's the head of the Trump Super PAC. So the latest on him as well. Yes. My hope is Donald Trump talks 2022 and not 2020. Uh, we'll see. Chris Wallace, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Back in a moment. One of the most popular talk show hosts in the country. Because darn it, people like him. Why do I go on the Brian Kilmeade show? Because, I mean, compared to Rachel Maddow, you're terrific. (laughs) You're with Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You say it's in China's interest, though. Would you agree, though, Dr. Fauci, it is in their interest to hide it if there was a lab leak or worse, if they were designing something in their lab so that the world, that America didn't know that it came out of their own lab? Wouldn't they want to conceal that? You know, Willie, I don't want to be speculating on that because every time I say something like that, it, you know it as well as I. It will get completely taken out of context and go into the Twitter world like crazy. So, I mean, I'm going to leave that to other people and not surmise and guess whose interest it is. It's not helpful. Really? Not helpful. So he would not answer the question because Willie Geist, who is, by the way, really good friends with Tucker, he used to work with Tucker on a show on MSNBC. Tucker ran that last night. I saw it on a show. And he basically said, I, I can't avoid this question. You keep pretending as if China wants to be accountable. They don't want to be accountable. They don't want the answer. They're not us. How could you at 80-something years old who lives in Washington, D.C., not understand the nature of this regime who has got about a million Muslims in a concentration camp? Do you think they care about people? Incredible. Listen to what he says our advice should be when it comes to handling China and getting answers. Cut one. I mean, obviously, you want openness and cooperation. One of the ways you can get it is don't be accusatory. I think the accusatory part about it is only going to get them to pull back even more. Exactly. Hey, President Xi. Nice outfit. I love your sneakers, especially love that gut of yours. Isn't it great? Isn't it a beautiful day out? By the way, how did the pandemic start that killed 600,000 Americans and 1 million around the world? Why are you the first economy that got built up after this pandemic? And why are you benefiting from it? Why are you moving in and out of Afghanistan on rare earth and stealing most of our uh, intellectual property? But just say it in a nice way. That's the way you do it. In Anthony Fauci's world is a world I don't subscribe to. Go to BrianKillMeShow.com. Subscribe to the podcast. You will not regret it. Don't move. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're in a country that added 599,000 jobs, but a little less than projected. The market seems to like it up considerably early on. So we'll see where that goes. As 21 Republican states say, no more supplemental insurance. Nobody wants a job. They're getting paid too much not to work. And we are this hour going to be joined by uh, Jamie Metzl. You know him, senior fellow with Atlantic Council, former National Security Council official, and an advisor to the WHO who worked for President Clinton and is outraged about the lack of curiosity about the possible link to the Wuhan lab and the pandemic that's killed almost 600,000 Americans. He was there, one of the first, along with Josh Rogan and many people on this channel and on this show who thought, are we really buying the bat bit another type of animal in order to spread to humans and the Chinese uh, wet market, uh, eating exotic animals, caused this type of, uh, type of horror around the globe? Uh, he does never buy in it, and uh, I, I can't wait to get the latest from him now that we have th- almost 3,000 
uh, Fauci emails to go through, which do not make him look good. Shannon Bream is standing by, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think it's going to make it very hard within their own party. You've got Joe Manchin, you've got Kirsten Sinema. It's going to make it more difficult. I also think they've taken this move, though, to put more pressure on the negotiations that are taking place right now on the infrastructure package. Senator I Bill, don't think we should let it pressure us. Senator Bill Haggerty talking about how close we are, perhaps, to an infrastructure deal. Uh, can we actually get this deal done? We will see how taxes, how we're spending, that'll all play into it. So we move on. Number two. This is the bigger picture, right? We have children coming across our border. He's really only one of 20 thousand children that are now in our custody. This is the worst part of Biden's policies. Uh, True. Uh, Sarah Carter is talking about the chaos at the border and President Biden's insistence on ignoring it as children are smuggled, dozens assaulted, rapes uh, soar. Harris and Biden choose to ignore. Number one. You say it's in China's interest, though. Would you agree, though, Dr. Fauci, it is in their interest to hide it if there was a lab leak or worse? You know, Willie, I don't want to be speculating on that because every time I say something like that, it, you know it as well as I. It will get completely taken out of context. It's not helpful. No, no. You do not stop speculating for 18 months on every podcast or uh, any small or big interview, and now all of a sudden you draw the line. you got to be kidding. Pressure. That's what's coming down on Fauci and his acolytes for getting every major issue wrong this year and ignoring the lab leak theory, though he's able to write a book in the process. What a disgrace. Joining us now, a woman that is the personification of excellence, the author of The Women of the Bible, uh, The Women of the Bible Speak, bestseller, uh, Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night at Midnight. Shannon, welcome back. Thank you so much, Brian. Great to be with you. Hey, so first off, what are your thoughts at what's going on at the border? This is an ongoing catastrophe that's taking place Mm -hmm. almost from the day President Biden took over. We get these two stories, a five-year-old pleading for a would-be smuggler not to leave him alone in the middle, a reporter by French Press, by the way, that we picked up the video. Uh, screaming like any five-year-old whose parents maybe lost them in the mall or supermarket. And then we hear a nine-year-old try to connect to with his mother when thousands of miles because his mom left him about a year ago. And you see our own Sarah Carter use her cell phone to contact the mom. These human dramas would have been blown up justifiably under the Trump years, but almost universally ignored in the Biden years. Does it surprise you? Uh, no. And I think that there were so many people within the press who kind of left the role of journalist and came, became activists. They felt it was their duty to hound President Trump and to take everything that he did and look for the worst possible situation. But like you said, rightly, if this had happened under President Trump, we should all care. It should be called out. There were tough situations and bad conditions during the Trump administration, like there are for every administration, uh, especially going back the last 50, 60 years with the border. Um, And that needs to be called out. These are human beings, no matter where you are in the political spectrum. I firmly believe that people you know, left, right, and center care about seeing a crying, desperate child. I do. But we can't turn away from it because the guy that you voted for I know. is the one who's in the White House now. I mean, these are human beings. We're told story after story about smugglers and children and sexual assaults. And um, 
you know, this when when there's confusion about the border or there's a sense in other countries where they have desperate conditions that the border is open in their minds and the message they say that they're hearing, um, there are human lives that are going to be destroyed in the process. And we just have to be honest about that. And there are some Democrats who continue to call this out and say, we have to help. We have to fix this. So I want you to hear uh, Sarah Carter going through this dramatic moment with this nine year old at the border. Hasn't seen his mother in months. Cut 27. His mother left, and he was living with his grandmother. And about three years ago, he thought he was going to be reunited with his mom again. But then she disappeared, and um, he felt that his mother abandoned him. So he's made this journey, he's saying, by himself uh, to find his mother. Habla con tu mamá. Pobrecito. Hola, mamá, ¿cómo estás? Bien, mi amor, ¿cómo estás? He was talking to his mom for the first time, and I don't know, I was kind of overwhelmed. What kind of mom leaves her son to go at nine years old, thousands of miles with smugglers? And these are the types of dramatic situations that, you know, definitely break your heart. But so do a lot of great American stories. This drama was preventable. It's the lack of policies and caring that is allowing this stuff to take root. Yeah, it's and it's not fair for Secretary Mayorkas to say the border is closed, to have these press conferences and say that. Um, if we're not in practice going to be honest about what's happening, we continue to hear about people who are, you know, and, and with these kids, transported well into the United States. Some of them, um, you know, we heard from officials in Tennessee, I think of Senator uh, Blackburn, who they're being told that kids are being sent there. Um, Texas obviously has this problem, too, where it's overwhelming their local system. So they can't serve the kids of Texas or of Tennessee who are in foster care. Governor Abbott down in Texas said, uh, essentially, he's getting, in, you know, ripped by the media for saying he's going to have the state yank licenses of these foster care centers that are overwhelmed by kids that aren't from the U.S. and that are here illegally. But he said, I've got kids in you know, foster care in Texas that need help, that need a place to live. Uh, what the feds have done essentially is make their problem our yeah. problem by putting them here, taking over. He said commandeering our state resources so we can't serve our own people. And, um, you know, that's a conversation a lot of people are having in their own communities, especially down in Texas, where they see it firsthand every day. But what's going to change? About people. You want to be compassionate, but, you know, you have to care about your own people who are in desperate need, too. I just don't know where these states come in, where they get their rights in Arizona, especially. They, they are outraged because now they're putting these illegals into beautiful hotels without even asking Governor Ducey or their local mm-hmm. officials. And I just the only is it the, is it elections in which the federal government pays the price? Because right now, if you're worried about holding on to seats in Arizona, that's not the way to do it. If you want to flip Texas, this is not the way to do it. And I'll tell you, Congressman Cuellar, Democrat from a bordering district, cut 25. What we're seeing at the border is only a snapshot of what happens to these people. Imagine the hundreds of miles that they go. Uh, without any U.S. intervention like we have here at the border. Imagine what happens to them in, when they're doing the dangerous trek from Honduras and Salvador uh, through Mexico. Imagine what happens to the people that get raped, get assaulted, uh, you know, including adults and, and young kids. We, we all, we're only seeing a snapshot. We don't see what's happening in those countries. And we witnessed and we're seeing uh, eyewitnesses and tapes of uh, would-be rapes, and we're hearing that was broken up, thankfully. But you think that's the only one? 
So these states are hope. These states are helpless, and even Democratic congressmen and women seem helpless. And it seems to be dis- a, a disinterest from Vice President Harris, who's going to Mexico and Honduras now, three months after getting the job, and doesn't want to get anywhere near the border because they think it's going to be a political disaster. Yeah, I mean, the articles were out this week saying that her team didn't want her to have uh, any connection to this. They felt like it was unfair. Some of them is the reporting that President Biden put this on her and they don't want her, quote, sort of tarred and feathered or connected to this issue that is so hard to resolve um, because they know that it's not a political winner. I, I find it interesting, though, as you started out with this, it is a perfect example of where the media is. Because, again, if this was happening under the Trump administration, it would leave the news almost every night. And it's heartbreaking to me that I feel it's like not. Fox is one of the only outlets. We have reporters down there every day going on ride-alongs, working along the border, talking to people um, who are down there uh, actually getting the stories done. But I think we're a very small handful of groups doing it. And by the way, guess where else I, I was, and I'm just one of many, at the border when Trump was president. I was at the border with the Secretary of Defense because he was had to play a role to help out. I was at the border with a separate Homeland Security uh, Secretary because he got fired two weeks later because they didn't feel he was being productive enough. And then there was a replacement. So there was, um, um, we, there was many different people who were accessed and exiled because they weren't doing the job. But at no time did the Trump administration say or say, we don't want you at the border. We're not going to give you access. They said, go cover it. We're trying to fix it. The lack of effort is astounding. But I do want to get to something else. Chris Wallace is on the record disagreeing with me, which is not rare. But here I want to see mm-hmm. if Shannon Bream will do it, too. I believe the progress made with Joe Biden coming down from 2.4 trillion now to a trillion. Republicans are at 930 billion, and if they could work out the details with the taxes and with and with the human infrastructure as opposed to actual infrastructure, I do believe we're 10 days away from a deal on infrastructure. A year from an election, I think it's a possibility. Where do you stand with Wallace or Brian Kilmeade? Oh, boy. Yeah, see, these are two titans you don't ever want to get in the middle of Very, because yeah. they're going to be tears. Um, <laughs> I am accepting gifts and bribes. Okay. Uh, listen, I talked to, um, you know, Senator Capito on Fox News Sunday last Sunday, and um, she seemed to be very hopeful. I mean, she's one of the lead GOP negotiators, and she felt like there was going to be a way forward. I think one of the trickiest things is that such a huge bulk of the dollars that the Republicans are proposing is that unspent COVID money that the White House then says, well, it's already allocated somewhere else. We can't repurpose it. If that's $700 billion of your you know, $928 billion offer, that I think is going to be the biggest sticking point because that's the vast majority of what they've come to the table with. They're not about new spending. Um, you know, because how are you going to pay for it? That's the question. So, I, you know, listen, they seem hopeful. I think there were I, I think the progressives who are pushing and pushing the, the White House to say, just quit negotiating with Republicans. It's a waste of time. Let's do reconciliation or blow up the filibuster. I think they are having to make very serious calculations, because if you do that, you know, that's that's game on. Ask Harry Reid how that ends. Right. I, I don't think that I, even without the filibuster, if you get Joe Manchin, you could do it on reconciliation because this is budget related. Mm-hmm. But the parliamentarian will play a role again because evidently she's gotten certain criteria 
for her to okay reconciliation, which still has to go through the parliamentarian. You know much more about this than I do. But just reading some of her comments, there's going to be criteria if you do decide to bypass Republicans. And I believe on some level that Joe Biden mentioned Sunday that Manchin was not budging. So and that he has cinema, I guess, would be the second one that he was referring to, that he might have to do a deal. And I don't care why or how, but we need infrastructure. So do it. Well, I mean, they can't even agree on what infrastructure means. You know, I when you and this is something that I, I talked to Secretary Buttigieg about that as well. Like you guys, where do you draw the line? And and the biggest part of the infrastructure bill is four hundred billion dollars. The proposal on the on the White House side is for home care and health care, long term care. Those are all good things. But when you read about it, that it's, um, you know, making sure that somebody is there to grocery shop and help people take a bath. Those are laudable things. But for most Americans, that's not infrastructure. That's not roads and bridges. So if they can't even agree on that, I don't I don't know that they get to the deal, but they need to. And it would be good for everybody. I think all sides if they did. Right. Uh, Shannon, I want everyone to pick up the Women of the Bible Speak and watch you tonight at midnight. Is that okay? Yes, and also they can join me on the five for just a, a sort of a teaser. Then we'll have a palate cleanser, then back to, you know, more bream at midnight. Now that's so you are doing somewhat of a. Are you in New York? You know, I am. That's why the restraining order was, you know, renewed. Wow. She could have been in studio and decided not to. That's <laughs> the biggest story. Well, you wouldn't let me come in my pajamas. Oh, you're not up yet. Okay, I understand. <laughs> All right. So for the for the record show, Eric and Pete, I think you agree. She chose Chris Wallace. It's not going to get done. Uh, and she's just too nice no, to no, tell no, me. No, 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 no. I would lean toward I think they could. I really do. Okay. Uh, number two, you're in your pajamas at 1120. It's a little disturbing, but I understand when you get off the air at one. <laughs> Shannon, thanks so much. Good luck on the five today. Have a great weekend. You too. one 408 Bottom of the hour, don't move. Jamie Metz will join us, uh, advisor of the WHO. And next we'll take your calls. And then we're going to finish out without numbered. Busy agenda. So glad you're here. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Do you still see some hardness among his supporters around the vaccine or around some of these messages you're sharing with us today? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that there are people out there who, for one reason or other, resent me for what I did in the last administration, which was not anything that was anti-Trump at all. It was just trying to get the right information, to try and get the right data And what they didn't seem to understand, I guess that's understandable (laughs) that they didn't understand it, is that science is a dynamic process. Right. Means you have an out. Anytime you're wrong, it's dynamic. When people don't listen to you, you're science deniers. And I thought Mark Levin had a great point last night. He says, seeing the frustration with this virus, how science plays politics, you know exactly why climate change and the whole mantra and religious-like quality 
that it brings with its worshipers and supporters is the same thing. You bring up, well, I don't really think the carbon issue has gone less. And, you know, if the if the earth warms up one degree in 100 years, why is that a big deal? And if we cut everything and the other countries don't, why should we sacrifice our economy while nobody else is? Oh, how dare you? You're a denier. We'll probably get banned from Facebook, Instagram and everything else. It's crazy. That's Anthony Fauci trying to make sense of his critics. But I think he, little by little, he's getting legitimate questions. The other one was John Berman yesterday, cut four on the CNN. An email exchange between you and NIH Director Francis Collins, the email sent to you, said conspiracy theory gains momentum. And this, again, was the idea of the lab leak. Those emails, though, as you can see on the screen, or I can see on the screen, was all redacted between you and Francis Collins. Yeah. Do you happen to remember? It, it, you know, Do you remember John, what was in the email? <laughs> John, they only took about 10,000 emails from me. Of course, I remember. I remember all 10,000 of them. Give me a break. But the subject said lab leak. How many emails had a subject that said lab leak? It's amazing. Selective memory. Jamie Metzl on that story and more when we come back. And then we'll finish up with more to know. Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Why is it so hard to find the source of this outbreak? Is it because China is so opaque? Is it because WHO is not sharing information? Why is this so difficult? I think one of the things is that we need better access to all the information. I mean, it's obviously in China's interest to find out exactly what it is. And the is of the of the natural theory would be to find that link. I, I don't understand what China he is talking about it's in china's interest to find out they'll find out and they'll make themselves safe and they couldn't care less about the rest of the planet i think we could all surmise that jamie metzel with me now senior fellow at the atlantic council and former national security council official in the clinton administration uh he's been a whistleblower all along the way with huge legitimate questions about the uh, the origins of this virus and former and current advisor to the who jamie welcome back Thanks, Brian. Happy to be with you. I swear to you, before you hopped on Tucker, I had the idea to book you on the radio show. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, but if Tucker had a great booking last night, I had you on just to talk about what you've been saying, but no one was listening for months. Jamie, first yep. to what Anthony Fauci said, is he really that naive about China? Well, I, I think he's actually right in a, in a big, broad way. I mean, you would think that people in China are at risk of a terrible pandemic just like we are. And so in principle, it's, it's in everybody's interest in China to figure out how this started and fix their biggest problem. And China has done a lot to try to find a natural origin of the virus, of the, of the outbreak. Uh, they've done nothing um, to look at the possibility of a lab incident origin. And that's why it's so, it's so terrible. I mean, China is trying to prove one hypothesis, not look at the at the full question. And that's why we need a full investigation 
of all the possibilities um, to get to the bottom of what happened and then fix our, our biggest problems. Jamie, a couple of things. I'll break down what you just said. Do you believe China has the best investigators of viruses, or do you think that they would benefit from having the world help them out if they there legitimately no want doubt. an answer? There's no doubt that they would massively benefit from the world, and I think that they're just afraid of, uh, of doing it, and it's an outrage. And as I've been saying since, since early last year, they're engaged in a monumental cover-up, um, particularly in relation to the, to the possible lab incident origin. From day one, they were destroying samples, they were hiding records, they were imprisoning Chinese citizen journalists asking basic questions, and they, have, they still have a universal gag order uh, preventing Chinese scientists. And some of these are amazing, very well-intentioned people but from speaking or writing, really saying anything about pandemic origins without government approval. And that's why we need to have a really strong and a comprehensive investigation. It's great if China will be on board uh, with that. But if they're not, we can't give them a veto over whether or not we investigate and figure out to the best of our abilities what happened. What do you think of the quality of the WHO report on the virus? So, well, first, there is the report. People call it the WHO report as a shorthand. Um, it really wasn't a WHO report. It was an independent committee of experts with their Chinese government counterparts. And I've said repeatedly, it's shockingly incomplete. It was a pretty good study of one hypothesis, the natural origin hypothesis. They did basically nothing looking at the lab incident origin. And that's why I've been a very sharp critic of that, of, that, of that report. And that's why I certainly supported Dr. Tedros, the WHO Director General, when he said, look, this isn't a WHO report, and it's incomplete, and we need a full investigation of all origin hypotheses, including a lab incident origin. So we know that the report that was sent in was basically choreographed and not effective. Even the WHO couldn't sign off on it, said you better pick up the ball from here. So what has changed since the last time we talked? Well, the Vanity Fair article came out on the heels of Nicholas Wade's very comprehensive look at what was going on in China and around the world. And then then we have the emails, about 3,000 Anthony Fauci emails. I can lead you any step. What was revealing for you about these emails? So um, I'll talk about the emails, and then there's some other things I want to say about, about what's changed. So for me, I have to say, you know, I haven't read all of the emails, but I was pretty impressed that this 80-year-old guy who's in the middle of everything, there's so much chaos earlier last year, and he's, I think he's really trying to do his best in responding um, to thousands of, of emails uh, coming in. There were some questions about lab incident, uh, about possible lab origins, and I think that there's no, it's not, I didn't see any evidence of he's doing something terrible. I think he was raising some, uh, some questions. But one thing that I did see was there was kind of a, a clubby relationship of a small number of scientists, particularly outside scientists like Christian Anderson and, and, uh, and Peter Daszak. And I think that, that was the, the piece of those emails that kind of concerned me the most, because Christian Anderson, who's a a, a very uh, renowned and, and brilliant scientist at Scripps, he ha- sent an email to Fauci early on saying, hey, something doesn't seem quite right in the genome of this virus. And I think that was appropriate and, and honest. But very soon after that, um, he became one of the leading voices saying, uh, basically poo-pooing 
the lab incident origin. Uh, and I know that it was challenging times uh, last year, but I think a little more uh, disclosure, a little more transparency, especially from some of those um, outside scientists, I think would have been warranted, especially because we now know um, that there was a concerted effort to label people like me who were raising legitimate questions as conspiracy theorists. And I think that uh, that what I've called scientific propaganda really interfered with our ability um, to get to the bottom of, of, of how things started. And Jamie, when you were writing this, uh, tweeting this, or using social media to, to describe this, were you ever frozen? Were you ever banned? Oh, yes. No, not banned by, by social media, um, but I was blocked by both Peter Davik and Christian Anderson. And again, it's not like I'm some kind of flamethrower. No. As, as you know, I'm a, I'm a, 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 a liberal progressive person. I'm, I, I write books on, on science issues. I mean, I, I try to be as responsible and as accountable uh, as I can be. But to get blocked on Twitter for just raising basic uh, questions, not by Twitter, um, but by these scientists who were trying to promote a unitary theory of what happened, trying to say, oh, yes, this, this is absolutely natural origin or likely natural origin. I thought that was unfortunate then, and I, I think it's unfortunate now. Well, nice word, unfortunate. So calm and professional. I, I'd, be, I'd be enraged uh, because you, you, you're a credible guy. How dare they? Uh, I, I want you to hear what Robert Redfield said in March, and I'll tell you what yeah. he just said. Cut 10. I am of the point of view that uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was a, from a laboratory, uh, you know, escaped. Uh, other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figure it out. It's not unusual for respiratory pathogens that are being worked on in a laboratory to infect a laboratory worker. Okay. He has gotten death threats, according to the Vanity yeah. Fair, since he put that out. I can't book him. He won't do any shows anymore. Uh, number one, well, he says, I expect it from politi politicians and politically oriented people, but not from scientists. Yeah. No, this world's gone crazy. I mean, I think what we need, and I've said this from day one, we need a rational, data-driven, evidence-based, honest process to say, well, what are the possible hypotheses for how this started? Um, let's explore them. Let's explore them uh, them fully. And certainly, you know, I'm, I'm most critical of China um, for this massive uh, cover-up. But in, you know, China can do its thing. We don't have to to follow suit. And and that's why um, a number of us, but are pushing for this kind of open dialogue. And so we've had some good news and bad news, Brian, since last you and I spoke. The good news is President Biden has called for a full 90-day intelligence review uh, of by U.S. intelligence agencies exploring um, what we know and what we can know. And I know that there's going to be a lot of outreach to, to foreign governments, and he's pledged to make those findings public. So that, I think that's very positive. Very unfortunately, the World Health Assembly, which is the governing body of the World Health Organization, made up of, of uh, representatives of national governments, they concluded uh, their annual session last week and very tragically, they did not mandate a full investigation into uh, COVID origins. And so there is no full investigation in, 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 uh, into how this terrible crisis uh, began at the international level. And that's, that really harms everybody. And we're in the middle of it now. We're coming out of it quick. This might be out of your realm. But, Jamie, what's your opinion? I'm stunned. As we look at the Tokyo Olympics, I yeah. saw that 
the, Jap- the Japanese, who's done such a great job suppressing the virus, have only had about th- under 5% of their population vaccinated. What is yeah. the problem, and why aren't we helping more? Yeah, so definitely um, the, the virus, the pandemic, it's a global phenomenon. The way that we're going to make the world safer and make ourselves safer um, is by getting the whole world vaccinated. Um, but it takes, it takes time. And so um, there are lots of, of countries like the United States where we have a lot of, of capacity and we have that kind of access. It's just right now there is not enough vaccine available um, to vaccinate everybody in, in the world. So there's a distribution challenge. I know that the, far, the, the various companies and governments are ramping up, um, but it, it, it takes time. And that's, but that's certainly why this whole thing, issue of vaccine equity, of vaccinating the world, it's not about being nice or charity. It's about if, we, if we're all connected in this interdependent world and the way we get safe, is by vaccinating everyone. I think the United States, we should massively ramp up our ability to develop these vaccines, working closely um, with the companies that are making them. And I would love for us to be the the vaccinator of the world. I would, too. And the thing is, if we do it on a massive level, those westernized economies, it would pay. You know, we're not asking for a big donation or a government outreach unless it's, you know, these are uh, poorer nations. But if we do that and ours work, the way I understand yeah. it, the Chinese and Russians a vaccine not effective. Brazil would be out of the woods right now if the China virus, the China vaccine was effective. So yeah, well, we could so really I mean, do ours, a lot. Ours are much better, and the issue and is it would cost about forty-five billion dollars to build that capacity. And the reason the government really would need to step in in a big way because we would ramp up, we'd build all these facilities, and then when the pandemic ends, those facilities may just be sitting there. And so we would need to have the government supporting them, making sure that they can stay in, in business. And I think that there's a, there's a business case for this, but I think there's a public case. I'd love for the United States to be on guard for the world. And whenever there's a new outbreak, we're the country um, that, that very rapidly creates and distributes the world's highest quality vaccines. And that kind of public-private partnership, I think, can really be at the center of that. Jamie Metzl, uh, now he's no longer, it's, it's no longer safe to block you. You make too much sense, yep. but I knew that all along. Senior fellow at the Atlantic awesome, Council, uh, former National Security Council official. Any other title you want me to get out there, a book you want me to plug? Well, you know, my most recent book is Hacking Darwin, Genetic Engineering and the Future of Humanity. And if people want to learn more about the origins of the pandemic, I have more than you could ever want at my website, jamiemetzel.com. See, that was the book I was going to write. Now I'm going to have to come up with a new title. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate All right, my it. my friend. Anytime. All right, take it. care. Bye. Back in a moment. Listen, I'm going to find out if there's indeed more to know next. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. These blaming of bail reform is not evidence-based. There's no facts, data to back it up. If we want to reduce violent crime, if we want to reduce the number of people in our jails, 
The answer is to stop building more of them. The answer is to make sure that we actually build more hospitals, we pay organizers, we get people mental health care and overall health care, employment, et cetera. It's to support communities, not throw them away. Exactly. Uh, what a genius. Uh, Congresswoman uh, AOC saying that the problem is with crime is not bail reform. It is absolutely part, a major part of the problem. Uh, I don't know what data she's looking at. Maybe she has her eyes closed. Number two, the problem with crime is not that we have too many prisons. There's not enough criminals in the prisons. As I brought up on television today, that's like the problem with cancer is we have too many cancer centers. No, we put prisoners, we put uh, uh, rule breakers, we put lawbreakers into jail. Don't blame the jail. Now, if you want to make uh, if you want to make criminal justice more of a rehab situation, I'm all ears. If you want to find a way to get the mentally ill off the street who often commit the crimes, I'm fine. But the woman, the Asian woman who got punched in the face the other day was a guy who was arrested 40 times and has been immediately let go. And it's the police chief that said it here in New York City. So tell him. Why is she telling us anything about anything? She is hardly an expert. Let's find out there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Well, President Trump is coming out. As he said, he was going to over the summer. It begins. It begins in July. Even though he's supposed to speak this weekend, he will be one of the keynote speakers at CPAC and the upcoming rallies. Trump uh, teased that statement last month. It'll be official. Matt Schlapp says, okay, he's going to speak with us at an event in Dallas. Uh, That'll be good. My hope is he doesn't talk 2020. He talks 2022. What are the odds, though, that he does not talk 2020? Well, Governor Jim Justice told me he's like very small odds that he won't. And he's got to move on from it. He could use it as a reference. We cannot get caught unprepared to fight in every single state. That's the type of statement I would make because we were before and we can't again. I've met with lawyers, legal experts, electioneers, and this is how we're approaching it. Get 2022. If we are successful in 2022, Trump should be saying, then he's probably going to run in 2024 if he has no more legal issues. Very big if. Next, uh, Miami mayor of Florida uh, is telling Congress he'll attend his first-of-its-kind conservative climate rally. This Florida congressman is a Republican, Carlos Cobueo and Marie uh, Maria Salazar and Carlos Jimenez will join the Republican mayor for the American Conservative Climate Rally. Uh, it'll be on June 5th. That's coming up next week. Uh, actually, this weekend. Uh, we hope to highlight conservative leadership on the issues and demonstrate that conservatives all over the country want reasonable, common-sense environmental solutions. Their key is that they argue that they believe, you know, they want to help fight climate change. They don't want to go down the road of the Green New Deal and harm taxpayers. We are. We're being dragged down there. Next, the New York Times column suggests a reader get rid of obese uh, and depressed friends. Get this. Columnist Kate Murray Murphy says uh, she will weed out people and recommends we do, too, who are obese, engage in legal vices like smoking or drinking. Uh, or make a person more likely to engage in those vices themselves. So if they do those things, break up with a friend this weekend. Yeah, don't try to help them out if you feel that they're drinking too much or they're smoking too much. Just cut them off. If they're not like you, why hang out with them? Next, banned from game night. Monopoly leads the most uh, in fights among family members. A new study finds one in five people have actually banned a board game for causing problems on game night. It's Monopoly. 
A study of 2,000 U.S. residents, 20% say their game nights with friends or family members are often or always disrupted by competitive or unfriendly behavior. Typical antics include someone quitting because they're losing, 46%, someone cheating, 44%, and two or more players getting into an argument, 44%. And they play Monopoly. Monopoly, the number one, Uno, number two, and Sorry, number three. Let me ask you, how is how has Kill Me Game Night uh, run over the years? We tried to do it during the pandemic. Uh, we did Monopoly. I found it like, really tedious. Nobody was close to emotional enough to get in a fight over it. Sorry, never made it. I used to play Stratego, and I used to play uh, Battleship, which was agonizing. And what else did I play? Well, I think that Tiddly was... Tiddly Winks? No, never did that. And I think I just you know hung out by myself and played Joe Kari which was a little rubber ball with a sand thing that bounced back and forth as I hit a paddle. Didn't have many friends. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everyone. That is more to know. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.